The topic that's on a lot of people's minds is about job displacement and AI. What are your thoughts on that area? The net effect of technology does not reduce jobs, but actually breeds new and higher value jobs. And I think the same is true with automation and AI. I think that if used appropriately, you know, will enhance customer experiences, will enhance employee experiences, will give people the opportunity to actually focus on more creative, strategic, fulfilling aspects of their jobs and allow people to achieve more in less time. Hey, Brandon. Great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ed. Thanks for having me. So Brandon, you're Chief Strategy Officer at UiPath, Founder and Managing Director at Crew Capital, a VC company based out of NY. And uh, obviously, today, we're here to talk about UiPath, which is a, a software platform to help organizations efficiently automate business processes through robotic process automation, which is otherwise known as RPA, which I've only recently heard about. It's really interesting going into depth on, on UiPath, and I'm really interested to see what we, uh, we can learn today. So I thought we'd just kick off by asking what factors have contributed to the rapid acceleration of, of AI and automation recently. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, I had first heard about UiPath and met Daniel, the, the founder of the business, in, in 2016, just as they were starting to get initial commercial traction in the business, predominantly in, in Europe and Asia before they had entered the U.S. market. And, you know, I was asking myself kind of the same question as to, you know, what's, what's going on in this market? It's still very early. It feels like Greenfield, but lots of potential. And, you know, what I was able to gather based on my research conversations with customers, with people who had been following, you know, BPM and the automation more, the automation market more broadly was that there were really three key market forces that all kind of converged around, you know, 2015, 2016. And it just made the UI path product set really well positioned. With these types of things, it always is a matter of, you know, persistence, investment, and a little bit of luck. And I think the three, you know, the three market forces that converged were um, one, one that took a lot of time, was that there were just better documented business processes. Over the last several decades, BPOs had made a tremendous amount of movement, better structuring and documenting the processes on behalf of their clients, or some of the largest organizations and enterprises on the planet. And so this effectively gave a blueprint for where automation could be most fruitful, uh, at least in the early days of software automation. The second is, you know, we're talking about, people are talking a lot about generative AI and these foundational models today. I actually think that that really took place, the emergence of AI coming out of, you know, the AI winter back then, 2015. We had really cheap compute power. It led to massive amounts of data. And there was kind of this AI awakening, uh, as a lot of reporters uh, had, had mentioned at the time. And as luck would have it, this technology that UiPath had, this, this RPA engine, fulfillment engine, kind of became the fastest entry point to AI. And, you know, data scientists were a very in-demand role at the time. They were building all these new ML scripts, but there wasn't a really great means by which to bring those data models into the operational fold of a business. And RPA was a much simpler mode by which to do that. You know, I always always talk about the analogy of like, you know, the brain and the arms and the legs. So you had these data scientists that were kind of building the brain of these scripts, but 
UI path could effectively become the arms and legs to conduct the actual work within the business. And if you have a brain with no execution, the arms and legs, you don't really can't create any output. Um, and so that was kind of the second. And then the last thing was more about us at the time. And it was just the maturity of our technology, predominantly our computer vision, which is, you know, highly complex technological challenge, not something that can be solved with money alone. It took a long time to develop. You need to understand all the nuances, right? All of the end scripts, all of these different systems. And, uh, there's just kind of a, a gestation dynamic that's at play. And um, we were really coming to a point of maturity in terms of enterprise scalability and security and got our messaging down. And so you had all these things come together and it just kind of worked really well. And obviously, uh, I mean, AI is the hot topic at the moment, uh, but you, you guys have been in it for more than 10 years, I think, as you've sort of been alluding to. The recent interest in it, is, has anything helped like, technologically recently that's going to propel your business forward or are you, is this things you you know you've already been working on for years and really it's just you know there's just more interest in it at the moment but you're already there and established and providing the benefits from from ai yeah i mean we've been building ai in our technology for many years um but the ai product strategy itself i would say really has it has evolved and it, it has kind of three distinct layers in my mind, we have AI that's built into our technology, and this is the stuff that you know we've been working on for for a long time. Uh, you know, people talk about these like these horizontal models now, these large language models where you know you write anything in, it has you know an understanding and can put uh, an output that you know uh, based on natural language makes a lot of sense. I would say our AI, our built-in AI strategy, historically, and this is the case of a lot of AI companies, was very practice. Oriented, And what I mean by that, it was AI applied in a very specific use case. So, you know, we have a document understanding product that can, you know, read documents, open emails, look at PDFs and extract information. You know, we're one of the best in the world at that. And that AI technology we've had for many years. And it's something that we've been refining over a long period of time. We have a task mining product, very similar, very specific practice area of AI. There have been new products that have come along as well. We have a new product. Uh, called clipboard AI, which is like a semantic copy paste. Imagine taking uh, data fields out of any sort of document, doing a control C copy, and then being able to paste all of that data semantically into a new application. Understanding, you know, if a name is listed in in this PDF, knowing to paste that name into the application field, all the way down to you know, address, billing info, uh, it saves a lot of time for people. So there's been some stuff that's made some of these built-in AI capabilities easier, like that last one I mentioned. But those are all things that we've built into our products. We also have this notion of bring your own model. You know, there's a lot of really smart organizations out there who have invested into a certain level of capability uh, with their data science teams, with their AI teams. They've, they've built their own models. And I don't think we're so naive to think that we're going to solve every sort of AI problem that exists on this planet. But you want to let your customers have the power of choice. And so um, we allow them to bring their own models into our studio, have our robots um, push that data to their models. The models can make a, a decision based on whatever logic that they're using. And we can go execute that decision based on their models. And then the third uh, pillar for us is, you know, integration with, with third parties. And so, you know, I think OpenAI is uh, getting a lot of press right now. They've They've done some amazing work, but we've been long partners of 
Google and Amazon as well. And I think that there's going to be a very long tail of you know younger startups working on these types of problems. And our plan is to work with a lot of them, again, with the goal of bringing the power of flexibility, openness, and choice to our customers. And can you give us some examples of how some of the industries that you work with at UiPath um, use RPA in, you know, to help their businesses provide value you know, to their customers? You know, one of the, um, I think one of the most powerful things about this category is that it's highly horizontal. You know, we, we have customers in dozens of different industries. We've been global by nature from day one. Company obviously has its roots in, in Bucharest, Romania, but we've expanded our customer base into India and Japan, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, North America, South America. With revenues, you know, fairly distributed and customers fairly distributed across all of them. You know, we serve large healthcare systems, large banks, insurance companies, telcos, retail businesses, manufacturers, oil and gas. You know, there's just so much that you can build with UiPath business automation platform. And it's a bit like Excel when people ask in the sense like, you know, can I do this in Excel? Can I build a formula that calculates this? The answer is inevitably yes. It's it's simply a matter of, do you know the right formulas? It's a template put in place in a way that's relational and won't break if you do certain things to it. You know, we have a very robust offering and we can support companies in all of these industries, reveal the art of the possible to them in terms of driving the results that they ultimately want. The results that most of our customers typically want revolve around saving cost, saving their employees time, up-leveling their employees, or freeing up bandwidth to innovate more with the existing resources that they have, doing more with less, effectively the definition of what automation brings. If I, you know, if I think of a few examples of you know, some marquee accounts, you know, DHL, one of the largest global forwarding and freight companies on the world, they rely on us exclusively for all business automation needs. You know, they have a little over 500 automations built. Um, they've deployed that to 400 plus employees, all focused on very high level work. They have a, a centralized virtual delivery center that focuses on identifying new use cases, developing and scaling those robots across the enterprise. It's an amazing story from one of those marquee brands and, you know, a global forwarding and freight business. So driving innovation through automation there. We also have a, a healthcare group, NHS Trust, uh, that has a very large automation program. They actually train 50 employees every single month on automation. Their robots are handling millions of transactions from appointment scheduling, patient referrals, moving data between their different systems. It's absolutely crucial to uh, their digital transformation strategy. And do you think uh, you've crossed the chasm from early adopters, which I imagine were the first, you know, the first people to sort of start using RPA? Have you now gone mainstream and you've got a lot of big customers now? What is the market potential, do you think, moving forward? Well, you know, I have to be a bit careful on what I disclose as we are in a uh, blackout period right now ahead of our uh, Q1 earnings. But I think, you know, for our previous earnings report, you know, we have approximately 200 plus customers that are paying us north of a million dollars a year. We have something like a thousand, you know, greater than a thousand businesses paying us over a hundred thousand dollars in annual recurring revenue. We have a very long tail of early companies, people that have you know, just come in to our product suite, uh, trying to think through all the innovative ways that they can get leverage out of what is now a pretty expansive platform that spans all the way from 
discovering new processes, managing those processes, building new ones, and then analyzing them to understand what ROI is. And what we've found over time, and this comes through and you know how we report and how we talk about the maturity of our customers is that over time, they become more sophisticated. Over time, they use the product more and more. Over time, they train more of their employees to become automation-first citizen developers. And this is true in every industry and every country in the world. We have a very large and active developer community, almost 2 million people all over the world, people who you know have been trained on our product, understand how to drive value from you know, building automations in our various studio products. And uh, you know it's why people skill themselves on our technology. It's why our customers grow with us over time. And it's what's created this flywheel effect of you know innovation and growth and innovation. And can you just quickly give us a, an overview of your, your background and how you've gone from software to VC and back again? Yeah. I started my career actually building products. So I was I started my career at a much larger tech company that I think a lot of people are probably familiar with at least the brands I've called Intuit. And uh, so they, you know, creators of QuickBooks and payroll solutions. And you know, I started out building an early version of a payment gateway API there. Uh, it was a kind of a failed version of what Stripe ultimately became at the time. And I've always said that, you know, working at a big company, it's a great place to start your career and a great place to end your career. And so, I, you know, I spent like four years that time. I learned a lot along the way. I had a bunch of different roles and opportunities and, and managers, but it was a big public business when I was there in 2011. And I really wanted to go try something smaller. And, you know, this is, you know, in this period of time, we were just coming out of the, you know, the housing crisis and, um, Tech was starting to come into its own, but it was pretty hard to decipher what was noise and what was real opportunity. And so I found myself going to a venture capital firm on the East Coast, uh, and I thought it'd be it helped me build a skill set to help evaluate young companies to ultimately help me, you know, determine what could be a good next path for me. It was supposed to be a couple of year in and out thing. It turned into an additional another four year journey. I, I really enjoyed the opportunity working with young founders and CEOs and helping build businesses in an advisory board member type of position. And as we had started this session in 2016, when I first met Daniel, I think that really, you know, after all the hundreds or thousands of companies that me and my team had evaluated, that became one that I was really excited about. And uh, ultimately, I'd found the one to make the leap and UiPath became what it, what it became. And again, there's a lot of luck and, and timing in that, but you build muscle memory. And when you see what good looks like enough, you have a sense of, you know, that and you see what great looks like enough times. You don't see great that frequently though. So you're, you're kind of acting on, yeah, yeah. on imperfect data. And um, how did UiPath develop like a competitive moat? Is that something you're actively working on or? Well, but I think that there's a lot of ways in which we've developed a competitive mode. I think technologically, there's, you know, we've become subject matter experts in our domain in automation. And I think over time, you know, there's the core of attended and unattended and the orchestration of, of our robots that's become extremely resilient, very secure, highly scalable. We work with, you know, businesses that are in the U.S. federal government. We work with 
um, highly regulated industries such as banking and healthcare. And so I think we've been able to cater to some of the most sophisticated organizations in the world in that core element of our, of our product. I think, you know, on the periphery, we've also had a really great nose for what's to come. And so, you know, you look at some of the synergies that exist between core automation, process mining, task mining, email classification, which is, um, you know, a component of our product now for an acquisition that we made late last year, a company called Reinfer. You look at a lot of the analytics that we've added on top, um, the ability to ingest AI models through our own models or uh, bring your model or some of the third parties we work with. So we've kind of continued to expand over time, furthering the mode technologically, horizontally, but also going deeper in terms of you know, sysadmin requirements, scalability, security, et cetera. I also think that there's um, equally valuable non-technological elements to how we've grown that have created a mode for us. That, you know, I'll talk about two. You know, the, our, our partner ecosystem. Um, you know, we work with some of the largest global system integrators and uh, regional uh, system integrators on, on the planet. You know, you, you look at EY, PwC, I think are a couple, Accenture that we mentioned publicly. We have fantastic relationships with those organizations, very strong shared customer bases, uh, skin in the game in terms of making our customers uh, jointly successful. And it's no surprise that, you know, some of our largest partners are also some of our largest customers. It's a great statement of trust and validation um, when the people who are out there, you know, pushing your messaging and embracing what you do are also leveraging it internally. So I think, you know, that's a total force multiplier for us. I also think, you know, this community that I had mentioned earlier, the millions of trained citizen developers that you know, are logging on to our learning academy and becoming better equipped to build, to manage our environment in hopes of, you know, maybe getting a job at one of these organizations that's building out a center of excellence all around automation. I think that, you know, that's really provided us an amazing feedback loop in terms of new product creativity, but also in terms of uh, placing people into the workforce to be evangelists uh, for the automation market broadly. And what does the future hold for UiPath? As much as you're able to sort of divulge it, obviously you'd be working on increasing your customer base, but are there other areas of interest? Well, I'm really excited about the opportunity that some of these new AI technologies represent for us. You know, we, we have, as I said, a good practice area of, of certain things like, like document understanding. But now I think through the use of natural language, you could do things like query these documents to pull out very specific pieces of information and get an understanding of, you know, what the tone of that document is. So it's not just finding things faster, but it's actually understanding, you know, the meaning of that context within those documents. I think with you know, with things like semantic copy-paste or clipboard AI product, like you're now bringing the power of automation literally to every single knowledge worker in a company. All of us use copy-paste on a daily basis to do certain things in our jobs. But now to be able to do it, you know, multifold, you know, pulling so many things at once and putting those into an application with that understanding of where it should go with a high degree of accuracy, I think that, you know, that changes the, the whole game. So I, I think that, Overall, there's going to be a few sectors in the technology market that 
have advantages from embracing AI. I think there's a lot of really new, cool, up-and-coming stuff that might be interesting in the future. I think a lot of it's hype today. But, you know, there's a proprietary set of data that we have right now, understanding of workflows and processes within a large enterprise. And I think um, being able to take that data, apply it to these models, and being able to lower the barrier of friction to build new automations or to build those automations using natural language. Imagine imagine a world Ed, where you know you you have something that you do in your your day to day. You have to file your expenses or you have to approve something on behalf of one of your employees. And instead of having to actually do that every day, you can through some sort of widget just say, "Hey, build me a process to do this thing." And a robot can be spun up and execute that on your behalf at a scheduled time, all literally through just communication and chat in English. Wow. It's powerful. So you're just creating a playbook for it to follow. Yeah, you're yeah. I mean it's you're giving it directions in the same way that, you know, your mother would tell you to make your bed when you're growing up. I mean it's 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 that level of understanding. So I think I think that's the underlying power that's being created here. And the companies that will have the ability to harness it will need a certain level of sophistication. They'll need a tremendous amount of their own proprietary data to go get that level of simplicity. And, you know, they'll, they'll need the fortitude to stick with it over a long period of time. You know, we're in the very early innings of this. And we've been at it for many years longer than most. Yeah. Goes back to how old the company is, considering how, you know, AI has just come up again. But actually, you know, you've, you've been in the game for so long. Just to wrap up the conversation, Brandon, the topic that's on a lot of people's minds is about job displacement and AI. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we'll end up creating new opportunities? Do you see it as something that just levels up employees so they can, you know, they're able to do more with their time, et cetera? I think over the course of, you know, a century plus, it's been proven that the net effect of technology does not reduce jobs, but actually breeds new and uh, higher value jobs. And I think the same is true with automation and, and AI. I think that if used appropriately, you know, will enhance customer experiences, will enhance employee experiences, will give people the opportunity to actually focus on more creative, strategic, fulfilling aspects of their jobs and allow people to achieve more in less time, which will give organizations the ability to achieve more in less time. And what that translates to, like, People are like, oh, uh, you know, I think level one thinking is, you know, this will create cost savings. It'll create boost in productivity. And yes, that's true. I think level two is actually like, how do you redeploy that time in those resources? Maybe it's now freeing up a product manager to go think about, you know, a new product that the company can use to satisfy its customers, um, create more stickiness within their product or create a whole new bundle by which to sell. It could also mean more money to stand up a site a new geography that, you know, maybe you haven't had the opportunity to go to market in because you're a bit, you know, restrained in a macro that looks like the one today where rates are really high and, you know, growth is challenging. So, you know, I think all of these things are coming at a really great time in terms of where the global economy is. And it's very often that new technologies like this arise in a period of time where the world needs it most. And it's what actually brings us back to the light. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brandon. This has been really interesting. Just to wrap up, where can people go to get more information on UiPath or any insights you're releasing? Yeah, there's a, a ton of publicly available information. If you're looking uh, just to get a cursory view of you know our products, the solutions that we have, an overview of the platform, UiPath.com. We have a 
ton of content on there, white papers, free information. There's also the UiPath Academy if people are looking to actually play with the product and get a bit deeper level understanding of how to build their first automation. The Academy is a, a wealth of info. It's free. We offer certifications there. Uh, so I think, I think both of those are, are great. Brilliant. Thanks, Brandon. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during the trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new products, stock reports or webinars from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. And thanks also to CoFruition for consulting on and producing the show. Until next time. Co-fruition.